0: All right, everybody, take your Bibles to Luke chapter six this evening. Luke chapter six. Now, uh, often I, I'm beginning to preach a little more often, and um, sometimes it's hard with uh, the Sunday school lessons that I do for the youth, and then I preach on Wednesday nights. Sometimes it's hard to just get a new random thought each week. Uh, maybe you'll understand that, uh, maybe not. It's but you know, basically a Bible skip. And whatever speaks to me that week, whether it be in my devotions, or whether it's something I read, or whatever it is, many times that's what speaks to me. But from now on, uh, for the next little bit, whenever I'm asked to preach in the church, whether it's Sunday morning, Sunday night, I'm going to start a series. And I haven't even discussed it with my dad, but that's a good thing about being co-pastor, I don't have to, right? <laughs> but the new series is The Sermons of Jesus, because honestly, when I get up here, I feel like I have nothing to offer because most of the time when I get something out of my Bible reading, it's just, man, I want to present that truth. Uh, and many times my prayer is, uh, I have no wisdom that I can share with you. I'm just a young man, very few life experiences, very few valleys in my life, very few trials. And, and so it's difficult for me to get up here and, you know, teach some of you older saints uh, uh, the Bible. And so... From now on, when I'm asked to preach, I want to teach what Jesus preached. And so that's what we're going to preach on tonight. Is the very first sermon in the Bible that Jesus spoke. It's the Sermon on the Mount. Specifically, uh, I gave it my own little twist though. It's going to be tonight regarding the mirroring effect the Christian life has on us. The mirroring effect the Christian life has on us. So Luke chapter 6, in verse 20... The Bible says, and he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed be ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are ye that hunger now, for ye shall be filled. Blessed are ye that weep now, for ye shall laugh. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you, and cast out your name uh, as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice ye in that day, and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. But woe unto you that are rich, for ye have received your consolation. Now, honestly, what's difficult about preaching some of jesus's messages is a lot of the things he says are very controversial very abrasive and it's a little intimidating because i said in my office tonight man it was just ripping me up and a lot of the stuff was speaking to me saying you ain't got that down and it's a little intimidating but jesus never backed down when he needed to say something he said it and i heard a great saying a long time ago if the sermon's rubbing the cat the other the wrong way the cat just needs to turn around And so tonight, I believe, as Jesus is speaking, He says a very difficult saying. Uh, Woe unto you that are rich, for ye have received your consolation. Woe unto you that are full, for ye shall hunger. Woe unto you that laugh now, for ye shall mourn and weep. Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. But I say unto you which ye hear, Love your enemies, Do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. You've heard of the golden rule. Well, that's the godly rule. As you would men do to you, you do to them as well. For if you love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love love those that love them. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love ye your enemies, and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and ye ye shall uh, be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil." Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet withal, it shall be measured to you again." Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I I thank you so much for the passage of the Scripture tonight. I thank you for the power of the Scripture tonight. Lord, I pray that you would help this preacher, though I need it so very badly. I pray that you would give me wisdom, and I pray that you would give me discretion. Lord, I pray that there would be nothing standing in the way of you using me tonight. Now, Lord, I have complete faith your Word and your Spirit can move in this room. Your Word tells me it can. I've seen it as recently as this morning. So, Lord, I beg for that tonight. And, Lord, it is so good to see salvations this morning, but, Lord, I pray that we see saints sanctified tonight. And, Lord, I pray all this in Your Son's precious name. Amen. Amen. Now, Jesus is a very powerful preacher. He's a very practical preacher. But tonight we find that He's a very paradoxical preacher. And what I mean by saying that is, sometimes when Jesus says something... It seems very odd for him to say it. It seems almost as if the right thing to do would be the exact opposite of what Jesus says to do. Now, there are several benefits to being married. I I enjoy marriage myself. Maybe you don't. uh, Maybe it's not much of a benefit for you. But for me, it's working out pretty well. stinks to be you. (laughs) But one of the benefits of it is, you know, she cooks suppers. I don't really have to get... Uh, Colonel Sanders or McDonald's or Pizza Hut to cook my supper often. My wife's a great cook. That's awesome. One of the coolest things is getting to know my wife and learn her different tendencies and learn her favorites. And, and you know, I'm still learning. As recently as of yesterday, I bought her a hoodie and I bought her a women's large because I buy hoodies large, don't you? I mean, my hoodies need to go over. It needs to be like I invented the Snuggie. It was called a huge hoodie. I don't know why that began to be sold on TV. I love big hoodies, and I'll, I'll wear big hoodies hunting, and I'll bundle stuff under the hoodie, so I'll buy everything big. And so, as recently as of uh, a Friday, I bought my wife a large hoodie. I got it home, and it was a women's large. I got it home, and I said, honey, I, I bought it a little big for you because it's a hoodie. And she said, well, I wear a small. So I wasn't even close, you know. I'm still learning a lot in marriage. But one thing that I am, uh, that we, my wife and I have agreed on is say, after a meal, we get done eating. We become each other's mirror when there is none available. Do you know what I mean? So you've just eaten barbecue, your face is disgusting. You have the one little one by one inch wet nap they give you. You take it out of its package, unfold it, it rips in half. So now it's half inch by half inch. And you begin to try wiping up this deliciousness of barbecue that's smothered all over your lips. And you begin to wipe it. And hopefully you get all the, air, the face area. But if not, that's what my wife is good for. I look at her and I go... She goes, you're good. And then I go... Don't, I mean, maybe this is just our relationship, but I, I, I display my teeth not in a, not in like a oh i love you honey like a do i got any junk up in my trunk you know junk junk right here in my teeth and so you know she obviously sometimes she'll say yeah you got one right there between your bicuspid and your third molar I, I don't know she'll she'll do it but isn't it funny the first few years of our marriage we couldn't get it quite right i would go with one hand and she would go with this hand, and it would be the wrong way. And she said, You're supposed to mirror me. I said, Well, I wanted you to take your right hand, clean your right tooth, and that was going to clean your face. But she says, No, no, no. If it's my left side, I need you to mirror me. And y'all know what I mean. So when you stand in front of a mirror, you look at a man, obviously, some are more attractive than others, but you look at a man. And that man's standing there, and if you have something on the right side of your face, if the man in the mirror were to clean the right side of his face, should he use his left arm or his right arm? He would use his right arm, and it would be the wrong side of his body. I just did it in the bathroom five minutes before church. I, I saw it. I made sure I was right. I then opened my Bible to Proverbs and made sure everything was backwards just in case we didn't got one of those new technology mirrors that I, I don't know. But mirrors work. And, and have you ever been wearing a shirt that has like Mavericks written on it and Mavericks quickly becomes it pre It shows things backwards. And what I'm saying is, as Christ is saying these things, he's not misspeaking. He's saying it is wrong to be a rich man. But we need to take a look at what he's saying when he says that. So tonight we're going to take a look at the mirror effect of Christianity. First of all, and this is so vitally important to the whole sermon, he says we need to mirror, we need to have a mirror effect on our idea of success. A mirror idea A mirror effect on our idea of success. Look here in verses 20 through 22. The Bible says Jesus looked at them and the very first words out of his mouth is blessed. Blessed. Now what you need to understand is when you're a Jew and you hear that word, it goes much deeper than just uh, God's blessing upon your life. Truly, when a Jew heard the word blessing, he heard success. He heard wealth. It was in the promises of God to bless his children, to bless Abraham's seed, and that they would own things. But now Jesus is trying to teach them a different type of success than material possessions. Isn't material possessions such a bad way to define success? When we look and we begin to bribe our children, and I have a little bit of uh, familiarity with this with the youth department. I need them to behave in Sunday school. What do I go do? I go buy Snickers bars and Reese's bars and gumdrops and lemon heads. And I, I buy all these things and I say, if you'll be good, I'll reward you. And really, that elementary way of success, that elementary way of rewarding is how the Old Testament saints dealt But now Jesus is saying, you can be blessed and not have anything. See, first of all, he's saying we need to have a mirror effect in our riches. In our riches. Look in verse 20. He says, blessed be ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Now, why would he say poor people are blessed? And people that have great wealth and great possessions are not. And I really want to tread lightly here because if you really take Christ at His word, He is saying if a Christian has great possessions, that Christian ought to give greatly to the church. Amen. Yes. For instance, when we, when we hear the story of Zacchaeus, And Zacchaeus comes, looks in a tree and we're told in the very second verse of that account that Zacchaeus had great possessions. He was a rich man. The Bible uses the word rich. Jesus goes and eats at his house. That night, as we know the story, Zacchaeus gets saved. But he stands up after meeting Jesus and he says, you know what? If I've ever robbed any man, I want to repay that man four times. I want to restore. Lord, I've met you. I want to become like you. So I'll give anything in order to please you. Is it wrong for a Christian to be rich? No. Is it wrong for a Christian to trust or pride in those riches? Absolutely. Job was a very rich man. One of the best Christians I read in the whole Bible. It's not wrong to be rich, but what Jesus is saying is, if you're not willing to give it all up for me, that's a problem. The Bible says in the New Testament that we are to uh, give as God has profited every man. So we preach 10%, but truly there are Christians in this room who could live on 50 and you say, oh, Brother Andrew, that's a little strange. I'm saying tonight that God wants riches not to be your priority. He does not want it to be the thing that drives you, that motivates you. He's saying, if, if, it's not wrong to be rich, but if you would not become poor for my sake, that's an issue. Yeah. Amen. You know what he's saying? Blessed are you if you're willing to become poor for me. And if my, if my calling on your life was to give up everything to become a poor preacher, would you do it? That's what he's saying. He's saying, blessed are those that need me. Look, secondly, we're blessed if we have a mirror effect in our requirements. Look in verse 21. Blessed are ye that hunger now, For ye shall be filled. So, my question to you is, does God want us to be hungry? I mean, doesn't God love us? I mean, He wouldn't want us to hunger. He wouldn't want us to starve. Let me just say this. If God wanted people to be hungry, would He have ever fed the 5,000? Because he looked out on a group of people and said, you know what? They're hungry. What, what do we have here that can feed these people? What what do I got to work with? And we all know the story. Jesus provides a great miracle, feeds the 5,000 men. You can believe there were 5,000 women. You can believe there's probably a ton of Jewish rugrats running around. Up to 20,000 people there that day. And Jesus fed them all. Jesus doesn't want us to go hungry. But Jesus is saying, I want you to trust in me. For everything that you have, amen. including the day-to-day requirements that we often take for granted, amen. let me ask you: When's the time you truly? When's the last time you truly meant a prayer of thanks before you ate food? That's good. Amen. That's good. Amen. I mean, often don't we run through our little jumbled-up speech? I, I man, I remember I used to do it. God, thank you for the same thing for the food. Jesus, never pray, Amen. Dad can attest, I did that for probably 12 years of my life, never said an extra word, until I realized how selfish and prideful that was. Until I realized, God doesn't have to give me anything to eat. He's so gracious to give me the family that I have. They've always provided for me. Now I have a great church that takes care of my needs. And I don't have to worry about anything. God's taken care of me and blessed me in my life. But He's saying, if you're not willing to be hungry for me, if you think that uh, your job, your ability, your your everything, uh, your ability to gain finances, to pay for your next meal is what's driving you, you're in the wrong. You see, God's just saying... Take no thought for your life. What ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Amen. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Amen. You see, all he's asking for is for us to depend on him. In our riches and in the day-to-day requirements that we often take for granted. We often think that Alcon or, or the postal service or some truck company pays the bills and gives us food. My friend, they don't give you anything that's not given of God. Every good and perfect gift cometh from the Father above, the Father of lights with whom is no variableness. Everything we have as Christians can be attributed to the direct hand of blessing from God. And he's saying, blessed are you that trust in me for your day-to-day meals. So secondly, in our requirements, thirdly, blessed in our rejoicing. Verse 21, blessed are ye, now that, blessed are ye that weep now, for ye shall laugh. Now I really enjoy hanging out with some of my friends. I tell you. Luke Taylor's one of the funniest guys I've ever met. That guy never has a sad uh, day. He always puts me in a better mood every time I'm around him. He's a crazy dude. He's, he, he'll make you laugh. I don't know. I love his sense of humor. Uh, so I love spending time with Luke. Uh, I've got several other friends that, that and honestly, even Craig. I mean, Craig, he's a strange feller, but he's got a good sense of humor. I mean, most of his jokes involve nursing or Star Wars, but they're all funny. I love hanging out with the people that I hang out with, you know, guys like Ashley Brown. He's a funny guy. He says funny things. I love those type of people. And so when God says, you know, when Jesus is preaching, he says, Blessed are you that mourn, for in the future you will rejoice. It kind of catches me by surprise because I'm kind of a happy, fun, loving guy. I enjoy smiling. I enjoy laughing. I enjoy that type of life. So I wonder what he's saying and how it specifically applies to me. You know what Jesus is saying here is, Christians can have fun. But if you don't walk through this world with a little bit of mourning on your back, for seeing what it's going through, for seeing the lack of respect of God or any type of supreme being at all, for seeing how every man thinks it's right to do what every man wants to do, how everything is good under the sun, seeing that we're supposed to walk through life happy-go-lucky, everything's fine? Man, this world is in dire straits. And I'm not just talking about America. I'm talking about the world as a whole homosexuality runs rampant on other continents. Stealing and gambling and drunkenness, all these things, that they're not just here, they're everywhere. And Jesus is saying, even in our day, wickedness is prevailing, and Christians ought not go through life happy at every little thing that comes by. You ought to walk by with a little bit of uh, sadness and broken heart that every second some baby is being killed. He's saying we ought to be mourning that the, the alcohol companies are just getting stronger and stronger and that drug houses are getting larger and larger and housing more people and more people. You're telling me Jesus isn't saying, uh, you can have a little fun, but walk through life with a little bit of soberness about you, knowing the sincerity, the intensity of the times. Boy, it's only getting worse. And when you smile at your neighbor and you know they just got back from wickedness, you're doing them no good. When you laugh at their jokes about alcohol, you're doing them no good. When they begin to tell you about their night on the town or what they just did the days and weeks before and you just kind of giggle giggle along with them, well, I don't know much about that, but it sounds good. You're doing them no good. Jesus is saying, you can joke, you can have fun, but you better be sure that you're a light. You better be sure that you're the salt. You better be sure that people know you're different. And you better pray and weep and mourn for those who are lost and on their way to hell. Wickedness is what seems right to them. I taught to teenagers this morning, the Bible labels somebody who doesn't know the Father as... Children of disobedience. It is perfectly acceptable to disobey God. It's their nature. Christian, we ought to get a little bit of, a little bit of bug in our crawl, a little bit of uh, burr under our saddle blanket about how the times are getting more wicked every day. My friend, it's, what a sad time. The Bible says in Psalm 126, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. You find joy when you have a broken heart for those around you. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, stood up and he he says, I'm a young man, but thine own wickedness shall correct thee and thy backsliding shall reprove thee. Know therefore and see that it is an evil thing and bitter that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God. And with tears in his eyes, he stands up and he preaches and he proclaims to a, a, a land that is wicked and turned its back on its creator. And he says, you're in the wrong. You're in the wrong. When's the last time you, with a tear in your eye, told somebody they were wrong? I'm here today to tell you, friend, we're not supposed to uh, be the police, the righteousness police, the piety police. We are supposed to correct when we see wickedness taking place. And it is our duty to go through this life showing others what a godly life looks like. We're supposed to have a mirrored effect on our rejoicing. And then finally, a mirrored effect in our respect. Look in verse 22. The Bible says, Blessed are ye when men shall hate you. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you. And when they shall separate you from their company. And shall reproach you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. See, in this world, there is an idea that to be successful, you must have more people's votes, more people's commendations. Their their uh, uh, popularity vote. Isn't that the way every president in the history of mankind's ever been elected? I love how our presidential race has not become uh, who stands up for the th- thing that's most right. It's really who can tell the most lies. Yep. And I'm not just speaking about the blue party. I'm speaking very, very effectively about the red party as well. Man, our, our, our politicians stand up with no idea, no, no desire ever to follow through with what they say. They just say things so that they can get elected and then do whatever they do because the checks and balances of our land have been so warped. Yes. I love how that is how our society says, you know, if you want to be promoted through business, you have to have everybody's support. And that is truly the way a lot of people have risen to the top. But when I read a verse like this and Jesus says, blessed are you when men shall hate you and shall separate you from their company. I love how preachers oftentimes get up, especially to teenagers, and preach on separation as if they are the ones that need to separate. Let me just tell you this, you get enough Christ in you, they'll separate from you. The reason you have some ungodly friends is because you ain't got enough Jesus oozing out of you. The Bible says that they will cast you out of their company. And I want to just share with you today that Jesus is looking at a whole bunch of people and He says, "Uh, you, you are blessed, you have an idea that success is when everybody likes you, but that's a warped view. Success is when God likes you. And God is approving of your lifestyle. Does God approve of what you do? Would God approve of the people that you're around? You see, He's just... And that's why I say Jesus is... He may not have been a ripper, I don't know, but His words ripped enough face. He says, Christians, they ought not like you. You ought to be a Paul taken out of every town and stoned. You ought to be a John looking so differently that everybody says, you're weird. That is us. We sit in a church today full of other believers and this is our spiritual charge. This is our battle cry. This is Sunday. We're, we're supposed to be getting excited for the Lord, getting excited for the week of the Lord. But my dad said, I'm glad today's Sunday because tomorrow's Monday, I said, yes sir, because tomorrow's when we go to war. Today is just our rally call. Look to your right. Look to your left. That's your friend. They've got your back. But you walk to your job tomorrow, you go to your job, they don't. That's right. Amen. They're not your friend if you love Jesus. Amen. My friends, I'm just here today to tell you, Jesus was looking at a bunch of people and saying, you have the wrong idea. Everything you believe mirror opposite that and you have what I want you to do. Amen. But I want you to understand, Jesus in saying all of this, was never at one time saying that material possessions in themselves are wrong. Being happy is not wrong. What is wrong is when you go other places for that happiness. When you don't depend on Him daily for your daily requirements when you are not depending on Him to provide your next morsel of food, when you are not loving Him and cherishing, cherishing Him every single day, when it comes from other places, it's wrong. Amen. Success to a Jew was everybody's support, that their bank account was full, that their cattle fields were full. That was success. success. And He says, success is when you're alright with Me. Amen. Are you alright with Jesus? Does He support you in what you do tomorrow? When you go to war, are you going to have gray on the bottom and blue on the top? I'm just saying, Jesus says, you have the wrong view. And your idea of success is totally warped. I'll tell you one thing, I am extremely excited for this baby to get here. This, This little baby is... Tear me apart. It began, you know, when I got to feel it for the very first time. I put my hand on my wife's belly, and it was. That's all right. We're married. <laughs> I, I put a ring on it, you know. <laughs> you know, I I I I'm happy that I've got to feel my baby. And at first, we we put my hand my my hand on her belly, and 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 it was just like a little a real light bump, and I was like, "Was that indigestion or was that Caitlin?" I don't, I don't know. Was that a growl or was that Caitlin? Just that's Caitlin growling. She doesn't like your hand there. Move it, you know. And uh, uh, I enjoyed that. Well, the other day I got to feel it for the first time in a while because she had been in North Carolina, and she came home. She said, feel this," and I felt that baby and. I could feel like a knee rub against the surface, like the Loch Ness monster had just risen from the deeps. And you can, it was very well defined. I mean, it was strange. I had never felt it. I don't go around feeling other women's babies. That's when you can gasp, is when I'm feeling other women. I don't have a ring on their finger, and I, oh, hey, baby, hey. So, note to you don't rub my wife's belly if you ain't got a ring on it, all right? So, just saying. I can preach that too, because I'm preaching. I'm excited about this baby. It's a very good time. And, and, uh, but one thing I've noticed about human babies is they're useless. I mean, think about it. What can they do on their own? Absolutely nothing. I've watched a calf be born. Ten minutes that thing's walking. We bought a Beagle. Two weeks that thing was potty trained. I got to buy a year and a half worth of diapers? Oh, okay, I'm getting told more. I'm new at this thing. I'm talking about for me. I don't know how long the baby's going to need diapers. I just ain't going to get no sleep, so I ain't going to wake up for bathroom breaks, you know what I mean? (laughs) That was gross, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. (laughs) I'm excited about this baby, but one thing I know know as it gets here, I I may not know how many years they need diapers, I I may not know how much baby formula they need, but I do know one thing, they need their mom and daddy. Because that baby cannot do anything on its own. God's not saying riches are wrong. God's saying, I want your trust, just like a little baby trusts in its parents. Amen. The Bible says, for without me, ye can do nothing. Amen. Jesus says, whatsoever is, that is not of faith, it is sin. Men, as Christians, we need to get faith in our God. And we need to have dependence upon Him for things even deeper than just what we're going to eat tonight after church. We have a warped idea of success. Secondly, the mirror effect in our interactions with society. In our interactions with society. So mirror effect means the exact opposite of what seems right. But Jesus says, I need you to have a mirror effect on your interactions with society. Look in verse 27. This is strange. But I say unto you which hear, Love your... What's that next word? Love your enemies. Jesus is saying, he's teaching us how to react to our adversaries. When I was a kid, we used to play this game called war. We weren't very creative with the name of it, so you can probably guess some of the rules. It was a simulation of war. And we would get three people on this side. It was a small nation, you know, kind of like a Chad. We were Chad, three on three. And we'd have three people over here and three people over there, and, and uh, we would go to war. Now, obviously, we did not kill the people on our team, right? We would pick up rusted old Pepsi cans, because back then, Dad drank Pepsis like crazy. And, and uh, we'd pick up rusted old ki- Pepsi cans, and we'd yell out, Grenade! And we'd put that rust-covered thing up to our mouth, pull off the pin, and throw it. And then the grenade would try killing the other enemy. We'd walk around, cat, 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 You know, shooting our enemies. And it was very fun, but basically the idea was, your team is trying to defeat the enemy. You know, a lot of Christians take that idea everywhere they go. That's how they live their life. Me against the world. I've got enemies everywhere, and I'm not talking about at work, I'm talking about in church. I'm talking about, you think you've got enemies inside the, the walls of this building tonight. And the Bible saying you're supposed to love the people that you would refer to as your enemies. Let me just say, is that not a little paradoxical? Is that not a little odd that Jesus would say, you know, you're, you're supposed to love the people that hate you. But truly, that's what we're supposed to do. John 13 tells us a little bit about this. He says, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that ye also love one another. Now, what's the most famous verse in the Bible, everybody? What's John 3.16? Absolutely, there's very little doubt. John 3.16. What does that verse say? For God so loved the world the world, everybody, that He gave His only begotten Son. For God so loved the world, we learned this morning in a verse my dad used, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. Uh, and right above that verse my dad referred to this morning, he says, there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. There, there's no difference between the Jew and the Gentile. God loves everybody. The Bible says, for the same Lord is rich in mercy to all that believe. that all that call upon Him. Who did God not love? No one. So Jesus says, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love as I have loved. You look around this room tonight. Can you genuinely say you love everyone? Jesus can. And that's the love He wants us to have. That's the love. He says, I want you to love. I want you to serve everyone. Even those people that rub you the wrong way. He wants you to love me after I'm done preaching this sermon. Might be hard, but He does. He wants you to love everyone. And He's telling us how to react to adversaries. Secondly, how we're to respond to attack. Look in verse 28. Now this one's pretty tough. Bless them that curse you. Now, I, I don't have much road rage. I, 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 well, I take that back. I have road rage. I just pretty much bottle it in because I'm not a big enough guy to back anything up, okay? I just look for the day when somebody pulls up to a guy that honks, and the dude just had like a really small head, but down low he's like jacked. He, he gets out of his car and, you come on. Yeah, those are my friends. Honk. Oh, <laughs> bye. Yeah, you're a nice man. I, I, I just don't much want to get in a fight on the road. I like my sister's approach. She turns on classical music to to keep herself calm. Hey, at least she's got a strategy, man. But the other day, a woman cut me off and it made me mad. Yeah, no, it, it was a woman. I know. I was surprised too. I know, brother Doug. It was so odd. But a, a woman cut me off. And like I say, I don't honk. The only time I use my horn is to prevent an accident from my face, my fist hitting their face. No, I'm just kidding. No, the only time I'll ever use my horn is when somebody's backing up or somebody's like doing something. huh honk, honk. I do the two-tapper like that. I love, you know. <laughs> I don't get very aggressive. But this day, for some reason, the Rangers must have lost or the Cowboys must have still been terrible. I don't know what it was, but... I got angry and instead of honking, instead of waving any fingers, or instead of, you know, doing anything, I just drove up and glared at her. I intentionally wasted $7 worth of gas with my truck hitting 6,000 RPMs to catch up to this crazy lady too. I showed her. You know, often that's kind of the way we react to everyday situations. Something comes down the pipe. Somebody, you know what? You're not, you're not a very cool person. I don't really like you that much. Well, I'll show them. Isn't that the way we react to things? I know far too many Christians that are always on the attack. And that worries me. It worries me when when I'm at a restaurant and there's Christians in there and and they give that little waitress such a hard time. She's just trying to do her job. She's not even cursing you. She's trying to serve you. And you're rude to her? I'm just saying, God, Jesus is preaching and He says, when somebody even curses you out, when somebody says, you're la 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 la, how are, we ought, how are we ought to respond? Verse 28. Pray for them. Bless them. So you know what? That, that might have been a good idea. I probably do need to work on that. You know what? Thank you for trying to sharpen me. What does the Bible say? Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of a friend. Well, why does it, every time somebody correct us, we've got to be so brave? <laughs> that was not my fault. Maybe when iron's trying to meet iron, it's going to cause a little friction. Maybe Jesus is just saying, when somebody attacks you, you ought not be on the attack as well. Christ wasn't. The Bible says in James 3, this is such an amazing verse. I taught a series out of James to the teenagers. And this verse, probably more than any other, affected me. The Bible says, Therewith, bless we God, even the Father... Therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be. James is saying, how can you thank the Father? Lord, you're so great. Man, I'm I'm just a piece of dirt. You've been so good to me. You're so so kind. You're so generous. You're so gracious. I know I don't have everything figured out. Please, Lord, help me. How can that mouth go over here to say, You better do this! You're not in the right here! Out of the same mouth. Yeah. Amen. We're rude to people here, and over here we're honoring God. How does that make sense? It doesn't. You know, Jesus, even when He was preaching to the Pharisees, calling them whited sepulchers, the Bible says Jesus is preaching... Was gracious words. Now, that's the type of preacher I want to be. A preacher with gracious words. That's the type of man I want to be. A man that uses gracious words. Hey, I understand you have to correct people. Maybe you're a manager at a job. I understand that even within the church, you, sometimes fathers, sometimes uh, people in authority may have to go up to somebody, sir. You did something wrong, and I would really like you to fix this situation. I understand that, but I don't think Jesus Christ would go up on the attack and rip someone's face. He's just saying, this is how you respond to attack. And you do it with gracious words. Finally here, He's teaching us how to return affliction. Now, it doesn't make any sense, but in verse 29, he says this. And unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. That's tough to swallow. But I wonder, instead of Christians reading over verses and quoting things like, turn the other cheek. I wonder if we really understood it, if we would do it. You know, don't we often shy away from verses that we don't really understand or we try explaining them away? Surely they mean something else. I think this is one of them. Because when you as a Christian are always willing to fight. Always willing to fight for your rights. You deserve something better. You don't deserve to be treated like this. I deserve better. Jesus is saying, turn the other cheek. To the person who offers you, to hits you over here, he says, offer him the other side of your face. I don't believe he's misspeaking. I don't believe he's saying anything out of the ordinary. He's saying what he means. Yeah. For this is what he modeled Isaiah 53 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Isaiah 50 verse 6 says, I gave my back to the smiters, and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. Now could you imagine the saliva of a man, a normal man, hitting the face of the God of the universe. In anger, in foolishness, and in ignorance, men gathered saliva and (laughs) spit on Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, He didn't even turn His face. You say, well, I just don't believe we ought to turn the other cheek. Jesus did. We try explaining that verse away oftentimes. Well, surely it can't mean if some man hits me on this side of my face, that me as a Christian, I'm just supposed to back down. Jesus did. And I may not have a lot to back it up, but I have the model of Jesus Christ. Laying him down for the sins of himself, down for the sins of mankind, so those people that day could see that there was a man named Jesus Christ, God of the universe, who laid himself down on the altar of God and was risen on the cross of, cross of Jesus Christ, so that you and I would have an example. You know, he didn't act like everybody else when he was killed. I wonder if your testimony of some man doing you wrong, you say, you know what? Everybody makes mistakes. No problem. I wonder if that might be the thing that says, makes that man say, you know what? I've never seen anybody act like that. Don't we live in a world of mistakes? Man, I love this automated industry, this computerized age where you call... Uh, different companies, you get a different representative every time. None of them know what they're talking about. They all make up their different rules. But I wonder if maybe, and I I know this is very practical, but I believe Jesus was a practical preacher. Maybe instead of ripping that person's face, who might be their first day on the job, maybe just, you know what, is there any way I could maybe speak to a manager? Because oftentimes we follow that up with an insult. Can I speak to a manager? Because you're an idiot. And I know this is just very practical, but I believe Jesus is just saying, why are Christians always on the attack? Why do you think you deserve better than you're getting all the time? Jesus just simply says, you know what? If a man smites you on one side of the face, turn the other cheek. Jesus is being lifted up on the cross of Calvary. And he went so far to turn his other cheek that he said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. I wonder if you have ever just said, You know what? I forgive you. It's not a big deal. We'll just take care of it. Because that's what Jesus is telling us to do. I know it doesn't make sense, but remember what I said. Jesus sometimes is making a mirror. It doesn't make sense for somebody to hit us on the face, but he says... But what I want you to do might not make sense. Finally, look with me, if you will, the mirror effect and our in, in, intention for service. We're almost done. I'm not closing. I'll never. I'll try avoiding saying that statement for the rest of my life. Because I don't want to... Dad buckles himself in, you know. But he just doesn't even care. I just don't even want to say I'm closing. Because you don't know. I'm like, I'm here one second and I'm here the other second. You don't know when I'm going to close. I might drop another point on you. I just say I'm almost done. About as long as a piece of rope. You know what I mean? Finally, the mirror effect in our intention for service. Look in verse 35. Jesus teaches us two principles about this. Our service is to be without expectation. In verse 35. But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be children of the highest. You see, all Jesus is trying to preach to these people is, I know this is a strange philosophy. I know you may not fully understand it at the time, but what I want you to do is I want you to do all these things that may not make any sense at all and don't expect anything in return. Except the fact that you're my child. Isn't that a great thing? Amen. Boy, what an what a amazing verse. That we should be called the sons of God. Behold the manner of love the Father hath given unto us, that we should be called the sons of God. It's an amazing thing how a child of wrath, a child of disobedience, a child of wickedness, turns into a child of God. Amen. But it's a beautiful thing. Amen. Jesus says, when you do these things... You turn the other cheek. You do good to those that despitefully use you. You pray for those people that may may rub you the wrong way. You don't expect... All these things, all these things. When you do them, don't expect anything. When you lend to someone, don't expect them to give you back. Boy, and I'm not here to... Promote my dad or at all. I mean, most of you have great respect for him. But if I have learned one thing about this man, it is that when he lends something, he knows something's going to go wrong. And he doesn't expect you to fix it. Trailer after trailer tore up. $600 out of our pocket to fix it. Tool after tool Gone missing, never to see again, because we lent it out. And I, I'm telling you, I'm not here today to make you think more highly of my dad. If you do, that's fine. But I'm saying, there's a man on this platform, and he's not standing at this mic that knows how to do this. To lend something and not expect anything back. That'd be a great character trait for all of us to have. Jesus stands up this day preaching, and He says, You do good. But don't expect anything in return. I shared this verse with the teenagers this morning, and I told them if I've ever had a favorite verse in the entire Bible, this might be it. Jeremiah 9.23, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. Isn't being God's child reward enough to do these things that he's asking us to do? Isn't being God's child special enough to inconvenience us a little bit here on this earth? Say we did have to miss a meal for the cause of Christ. Would it hurt us that bad? Would it be worth giving up pleasing God the Father with our life? Uh, I'm not getting full when I, I don't have enough money. I, I need this new toy. Is it okay if we just said, Lord, whatever you bless me with, that'll be fine. But I don't serve you for blessing. I serve you for obedience. Amen. And that's all he's asking is that we would serve him in obedience expecting nothing. But the beautiful thing about this is service must be without expectation, but service will come with con- compensation. Service will come with compensation. In verse 36, one of the coolest, uh, I'm sorry, verse uh, 38, one of the greatest verses in all the Bible, probably. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. How many of you know Blake? He sits right over here in the youth department. He's mentally handicapped and he says amen a lot. And that may be funny to you, but he says amen at the right time a lot. I don't know if you've ever noticed. He, he starts preaching about women wearing pants. He's saying, amen, preacher. I'm just kidding. That's not what he "Amen." No, my dad will. And Brother Luke will attest. My dad will say a great truth of the Bible. Amen. Blake pays attention. And, and, and something that's said in the youth department a little bit, is one day my dad was preaching on this verse. I think it was in January, probably. My dad preached on this verse. When you give, it will be given. And he began to tell us what pressed down and shaken together was. And he talked about baskets and corn. And they would put the corn in the basket and they would shake the basket they would shake it and it would settle down and they would put more corn in there and they would shake it, shake it some more and then they would be able to fit more corn because the corn was settling in all the unoccupied space. And Blake sitting there, listening to that sermon, the youth would be able to tell you what he said. He said, That's a lot of corn! <laughs> I mean, you didn't even say how big the basket was. He, That's a lot of corn, man! Blake understood something. When we obey God, He gives us a lot. Nobody in here is starving, and and God's not asking anybody to starve. But sometimes our ideas of success are maybe not adopted from the Word of God, but sometimes they might be brought in from outside voices, saying success might be something more than pleasing God. Maybe success is having another digit on your 401k. Maybe, just maybe. You see, Jesus just simply says, if you'll obey me, I'll give you joy instead of happiness. I'll give you a lifetime of just ecstatic service to me. Don't expect it, but I'll give it. See, this morning when I got up, I looked in that mirror... And usually, I don't ever look in a mirror till I take my shower. My hair is very easy to fix in the mornings. I take my towel and I dry my hair off. I take the towel off and it's all funky. And I do this and this and I'm good to go. But when I looked in that mirror and I saw that hair all weird and nasty and stuff... Just because that reflection was backwards, it was still very easy to fix. Oh, that, that hair's up? Okay, I'll fix that. Oh, got a little yellow on my teeth. I'll brush those. Oh, I got, I got that. Okay, I'll fix that. Have you ever had to think about which side to fix when you're looking in a mirror? It's pretty easy if you're just willing to do it. The Bible talks a little bit about a man beholding his face in a glass... And the Bible can point out things in your life that you know aren't right. What man looks in a mirror and walks away with a cowlick? What man looks in the mirror and sees a little chocolate on his face and walks away leaving it there? Nobody. When you look in the mirror and Jesus is saying, I know these philosophies might seem a little extreme, but if you're not willing to give it all up for me, You've got your priorities out of line. If you think that maybe because you're serving me, you get some type of uh, benefit. Uh, Maybe you're serving me for men's praise. You've got it all out of whack. Maybe even you, you probably get a little aggressive when people do you wrong and things aren't going your way. Jesus is saying, I know these things are extreme, but they're real easy to fix. When you look in the mirror of God's Word, do you like what you see? Let me ask you this. What do you see when you look in the mirror of God's Word? Because this book is not trying to make you look like a better you. It's trying to make you look more like Him. And I just have to say this evening, I think Jesus says, I have some extreme... Some paradoxical doctrine, but maybe, just maybe, there will be somebody in here that will obey it fully. Not because we get rewards, not because we get blessing, but because we have the honor to obey.